Welcome back to Stand From With Eden. I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. I actually did a poll earlier on my Instagram story because I wanted to know what you guys wanted to see. I think it's really important that I am putting out content that people actually care about, that people want to see. So I did a poll of whether you guys wanted to see blood work, um, how to interpret that, not only interpret it, but also what things you should order when you go get your blood work done. A lot of the health optimization that I talk about is something that you have to order on your own. And so I definitely want to go into that in another episode. But today, what won the poll was actually mature versus immature coping mechanisms. And I was actually fairly surprised. I did not think that that was going to win because I thought maybe people would think that that was textbook or boring, but I was surprised. And so you guys wanted to hear about that and I'm here to talk about it. Now, I want to emphasize that the reason that I ever bring up anything on my show is to educate you guys. And so the reason that I'm going to talk about mature versus immature coping mechanisms today is so that you can identify not only in other people, but also yourself when you are implementing those defense mechanisms. So coping mechanisms and defense mechanisms, that's going to be an interchangeable term that we're going to use today. So just so you know, we'll set that standard right now. I'm going to use those words interchangeably. I'll probably usually use defense mechanisms. So again, this is important so that you can recognize if maybe you're in a toxic relationship or even there's somebody in your family that you need to maybe set boundaries with. These um, str- these coping mechanisms are going to be really, really um, deeply explained in this episode so that you can see if other people are using them. I think education is the key uh, to be able to learn more about yourself, more about others and progress in your relationship. So we're just going to get right into it. So basically there's four categories that are recognized in the medical community, let's say, of the types of coping mechanisms that people employ. So the first one is going to be, again, we talked about mature versus immature. Now there's going to be a couple more Um, There's going to be a total of four. So you have mature, immature, narcissistic, and anxiety-driven defense mechanisms. Now, just to clarify, if you don't know what those are, a defense mechanism... Wow, I can't speak today. (laughs) A defense mechanism is essentially how you react or respond to somebody when you feel threatened or if you're in an argument and you need to be able to combat them. But oftentimes it is done in a way that is your brain trying to protect itself. And that kind of translates into you responding in a certain manner. Now there are mature defense mechanisms. So this is not all bad. Obviously we all need to respond to things that contrast our beliefs, but there are healthy and unhealthy ways to do this. And again, this is why I want to bring this up today so that you guys can actually learn, hey, let, let's be more self-aware. Am I use, Am I utilizing this defense mechanism? Are there better ways that I could cope with things that will make me a better person? And again, vice versa, with recognizing those things in other people to then maybe save yourself from being in a bad relationship for you. So we're just going to go through these and hopefully this will give you guys some education and I might provide some examples here and there and this might resonate with some of you for sure. So we're going to start with the immature coping mechanisms. So there's going to be four here. We're going to have what's called blocking regression somatization and introjection. And we're going to go through each of these. Okay. So blocking the immature coping mechanism of blocking is temporary inability to remember an example. You know, I don't remember their name, something like that. 
very simple in terms of understanding what this is. It goes a little bit more complex into why this happens. A lot of the time, blocking is a subconscious defense mechanism. We will see this mostly in people who have been victims of sexual abuse or any type of abuse in their younger years. If it was a childhood traumatic experience where their own Um, physical autonomy was taken away from them. So that's a very, very common thing that we see. Again, it's a protection mechanism usually, but this is an immature coping mechanism. The next one we have is regression, which is return to earlier stage of development. This one's really interesting. And this might sound strange, but I think when I explain it a little bit more, you might recognize people in your life who have done this, or maybe you've done it. So when we talk about regression, Have you seen when adults maybe start to act like children or even when children who are maybe 10 years old throw tantrums and just throw their bodies on the floor where they're not acting appropriate for their age? That's like acting out basically. And that is a defense mechanism um, of basic, you know, basically learned helplessness in order to defend themselves. The next one is going to be somatization. So this is when a psychological problem becomes a physical problem. Now, this is actually very, very common for a couple reasons. First and foremost, when somebody has any type of mental trauma or mental breakdown or something happens to them that is traumatic psychologically, oftentimes, or even emotionally, oftentimes we'll see that represented as physical pain. For example, have you ever had a headache, you know, or, um, Maybe what felt like an anxiety attack where your heart was hurting before you had some major thing happen, like an exam that you had to take, or even when you have a heartbreak and you physically feel like you're hurting. Um, We see this a lot, actually, when people have like phantom pain that can't be explained. A lot of people harbor physical trauma, or sorry, let me rephrase that. People harbor emotional and mental trauma as physical pain. It's manifested that way, which is really, really interesting. We don't quite understand why this happens, but it does happen. The last immature defense mechanism is introjection, which is unconscious imitation. So this is really interesting. And we actually all do this, I think, to some degree. So what does this mean? The unconscious imitation is if there's somebody that you admire, you will either act like them, talk like them, dress like them, do what they do, And I think this is really common with role models. Um, So for example, you know, if you're, you're working under a mentor, you maybe will start to act just like them because you admire them and you want to be like them. I don't necessarily think that this is a bad thing per se. I just think that you have to monitor that so that it doesn't get to the extent of ruining one's individuality. So that is all of the immature defense mechanisms. So these are not necessarily what you want to use, but these are immature. Let's move on to narcissistic. (laughs) Um, I'm sure there's a lot of us out there that have dealt with people who are narcissists or who have narcissistic tendencies. Maybe you have them yourself. And I want this to always be a space where we can be open and honest with each other and refrain from judgment to the most that we can. And for that reason, don't feel bad. If you've employed these, I know I have personally, this is a normal part of life. And I think you're going to be surprised when you hear about what these are. So the first one is projection. Projection might be the number one most common defense mechanism that I have seen other people use. I think this results because people oftentimes who feel that they are superior or they have deep insecurities that force them 
to try and be superior to others to make up for those insecurities. Projection is a very, very common defense mechanism that they use. Why is this? Well, when you attribute feelings of your own onto someone else, it makes you feel better about yourself, right? So if you're insecure about finances, you don't have a lot of money, you're going to be overly critical of somebody else who has money. You might criticize their spending habits or you might say, well, you know what? They're not going to have any money for retirement because they just bought a new car. That would be projection. You're projecting, I would say, more of your insecurities onto other people. Now, I have caught myself doing this. It's not what I use the most, but I for sure have done this. And so it's important that we also apply these to ourselves. And that's another reason why um, I bring them up is because it's good that you recognize them so you can figure out how you can be better. The next one is denial. This is um, a very common one. I'm sure we all understand this one, but it's, you know, you avoid becoming aware of a painful reality. Again, we're only going to employ defense mechanisms where they're necessary. If there's a reality that we agree with and it's congruent and there's no cognitive dissonance, we're not going to have any reason to be in denial. But oftentimes we are in denial because it's a truth that we don't want to accept. Now that does you no good. Um, You just live in delusion. The last narcissistic defense mechanism I find very fascinating, and that is splitting. I have run into a lot of people who employ this defense mechanism, not necessarily in arguments, but in everyday life and how they just see the world in general, which I find very fascinating. And I do think that some of this comes just from different experiences. I think if you're somebody who has lived a life that is very directionally focused on one thing. You've grown up in one culture. You're surrounded by the same types of people, you know, same ideas, thoughts, um, perceptions. You're going to be more black and white thinker. And that's what splitting is. Splitting is all good or all bad. Black and white, no grays. Now, if you're somebody who's lived around the world and you've been a part of so many different cultures and experiences and people, you're going to be less likely to think like that. However, There are people who see the world as very black and white. And again, that can be good or that can be bad. I think it can definitely make it harder to resonate with other people. So those are going to be the narcissistic defense mechanisms. I don't want to go into today why those are considered narcissistic and why the other ones were considered immature. I just want you guys to be able to identify these. That's the ultimate goal. And I don't want to make this too long. The next chunk is going to be the mature defense mechanisms. So there's going to be only three of these. So the mature, these are good. So it's like if you're in an argument with somebody and you handle conflict this way, that's honestly going to be your best way to handle conflict. So the first one is humor. Expression of feelings, thoughts without discomfort. An example, you know, comedians. That's a great way that we can bring people together who have such opposing views and you laugh about it. Now, yes, some of these situations are going to be uncomfortable things. But if we can turn those situations into something people can laugh about, that's how we can bring people together and find resolution. Again, defense mechanisms, they're a gap between two people. They're employed because there's a disconnect. They're used because there's not an agreement. But if we can use comedy and humor as a way um, to collectively find a common ground, then I think that's a fantastic way that you can, you know, be able to defend your position. The next one is sublimation. So this is the unacceptable impulse is turned into acceptable behavior. So a good example of this would be somebody who's like a pyromaniac or an arsonist, like people who like to set things on fire um, and they like fire. 
that person decides to become a firefighter because they're still around fire. They're dealing with fire. They're running into fire, but they have turned their bad behavior into something that is productive and good and legal for society. Now, this is a mature coping mechanism because it's an it's an understanding and a realization that your behavior needs to change in order to fit in with the collective group. And so for that reason, it's a very high level of self-awareness in order to change that behavior. The next one for mature coping mechanism is suppression. Now, this is different than blocking, which is, again, was an immature coping me- mechanism. Blocking is completely forgetting. And a lot of that is subconscious. Suppression is the conscious forgetting of something that has happened. You know, for example, I would rather forget that my dog got hit by a car. My dog did not die. I'm just using that as an example because what good does it do for you to dwell on it? Now, of course, there are times that you need to process grief and that's that's extremely important. However, for the context of, you know, what we're talking about, suppression can be a very beneficial thing in order to allow you to cope with what's happening and move on with your life. So that's going to be the end of the mature coping mechanisms. The last set is the largest set, which is where I personally feel like I do the most. Um, but maybe, maybe you will too. I don't know. I don't know the statistics on like, you know, who employs what the most or what type of defense mechanism is used the most between men and women, X, Y, Z. I'd love to look up those stats. So that would be cool to know. So anxiety is going to be the last group of defense mechanisms. So this one's a good chunk, but I'll try and get through them rather quickly for you. So the first one is going to be displacement. So this can be very similar to the narcissistic defense mechanism of projection, but displacement is emotion or drive shifted to another person. So for example, if, you know, your parent is mad at, another parent, but then they start yelling at your sibling, right? So it's kind of transferring feelings that you already essentially are most likely projecting onto one person. You're transferring them to another. So that is an anxiety defense mechanism. The next one is repression. So that is when a bad idea or feeling is eliminated from consciousness. You forget and forget. So again, this is similar to the suppression and the blocking, but the difference between repression, suppression, and blocking is that again, suppression is totally conscious. Blocking is not. Repression is eliminated from consciousness. So it's almost as if, you know, somebody was abused by their parent and they don't recall any of that. It, it is very similar to blocking. However, blocking technically is going to be temporary. Where when you have repression with the anxiety side, it's going to be permanent. You permanently forget. Now, how we measure that, I don't know. I don't totally know if that's completely legit for sure. I think those are a little inter- inter-exchangeable depending on the situation. Then you have isolation of affect which this is really interesting and I have personally experienced this and this is when reality is accepted without an emotional response but that reality should elicit an emotional response does that make sense so I'm going to share an example of this when I was 13 years old my grandparents were watching me and my sister I was 13 my parents were on a cruise 
And basically, long story short, my grandpa passed away in our house while they were watching me. And it was in the morning. I was getting my sister ready for school. And my grandma comes running into the bathroom. She's screaming. She is hysterical. And she's just screaming at me that he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. I don't know what came over me. I was completely, completely calm. I said, okay. I walked into the room. I called 911. He was laying there on the bed. He had died in his sleep. He had a heart attack. And 911 told me I needed to pull him off the bed. I needed to do CPR, XYZ, all these things. I remained calm the entire time. I had absolutely no emotional expression towards that event. Even after the police showed up, the paramedics came, all the things. I don't recall crying for a while. I was very, very calm and I started to question why I had no type of emotional response. And I now, as I'm older, recognize that that was a coping mechanism. I knew that if I had let my brain go to that place, I would have completely broken down and I would not have been able to do what I needed to do to try and save that person because I didn't know how long ago he had had the heart attack. There was still potential for a human life to be saved. That's what I thought in my head, even though there wasn't. He had died at like two in the morning. It was almost like an override experience where my brain's like, hey, you got to keep the family together right now. Grandma's obviously, you know, she's totally not here in her mind. My sister's special needs. She has no idea what's happening. I'm the only person that can ground any of us in reality. So I employed that coping mechanism very clearly. And I now understand that it was a survival mechanism. So again, some of these things are necessary in dire times. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only types of situations you should think about when it comes to, oh, when do other people or me like employ these types of defense mechanisms? No, that's just a good example of how it was clearly isolation of affect that I was using. The next one is intellectualization. I do personally use this um, because it makes me feel more calm. And I'm going to explain why. So intellectualization is the use of intellectual processes to avoid affective expression. So for example, let's say you find out that someone you love has cancer. Intellectualization, an example of that would be, you know, you saying all of the methods used to get this cancer diagnosis are really interesting. So you basically strip away the emotion from the experience and you analyze it from a scientific or intellectual perspective. I have found myself doing that because it helps me feel like I'm grounded in reality. And that's not always good because it forces me to have walls up sometimes. And if you've done this and you're that kind of person, then you understand what I'm talking about. The next one is going to be acting out. Acting out is an emotional outburst which covers up reality. I have seen this so many times from other people. And I think that if you're somebody who has been with someone who is emotionally immature, you have experienced this. It's almost as if they don't have the ability to articulate how they feel, but it's so overwhelming that they can't get it out that they just break down and they just have an emotional outburst. Again, it's something that's typically going to be employed by somebody who is more um, emotionally less intelligent or immature. Rationalization. This is something I also use. This is really just excuses, excuses, you know, rationally explaining your actions to justify your behavior. And I have done this so many times. I will do this when an action that I've taken doesn't align with my core values or my moral compass. 
And I think that requires a high level of accountability to overcome in addition to a high level of self-awareness. I think that's really critical to stop yourself from using rationalization because it's really easy to do it. We all rationalize things that we want. The next one is going to be reaction formation. So this is the unacceptable impulse transformed into its opposite. So reaction formation is very, very similar to sublimation. If you remember, right, the pyromaniac, you're somebody who likes to start, you know, setting something on fire. Um, oh, I apologize. I have this backwards, so I'm going to fix this really quick. Sublimation, the mature coping mechanism, if somebody's a pyromaniac and likes to set things on fire, they go start working in Hollywood and they can like set things on fire in a movie set, like for the movie, like they're acting. That would be sublimation. Um, like you are, you're still setting things on fire. Does that make sense? Where reaction formation is what I was saying earlier. If you're somebody who's a pyromaniac who likes to set things on fire, you end up becoming a firefighter. So you basically transform into your opposite because you're putting fires out. I apologize. That is reaction formation. So you're reacting to your initial behavior and you're forming that behavior into something that is acceptable. We only have three more, I promise. (laughs) The next one is undoing. So it's basically acting out the reverse of the unacceptable behavior. So for example, the pyromaniac, right? Putting down fire. So it's just basically undoing what you were doing before. It's very, very similar to reaction formation. So I would honestly group those together. Passive aggressive. (laughs) We as women love to do this to each other. Men, not so much. Passive aggressive is the unconscious passive hostility. I personally don't think that it is unconscious. I personally find this to be conscious behavior. Um, I don't know why we as women are passive aggressive. I think it's because we are born and taught to avoid confrontation. So we're not, we don't learn growing up how to deal with confrontation. Um, and we don't know how to address things directly, which I think is a really big problem personally. The last one is going to be dissociation, where you separate from your experience like an out-of-body experience. For example, you know, we see that we do see this also a lot in sexual assault victims. You know, women will disassociate mentally. It's, It's a protection mechanism that your brain employs in order to protect you from the thing that is harming you. So that is going to be all of the defense mechanisms. I hope that this was helpful for you guys. Again, I want to make these podcasts so that you can learn something. That is ultimately the whole goal. And everything that I talk about, these are things that I would have loved to learn. And they would have helped me and saved me from so much wasted time, either with certain friends or in relationships and setting better boundaries with friends and family. Because at the end of the day, I want you guys to all protect your peace, especially as we end this year. You know, 2023, my mantra was to find my peace. And that turned into protecting that peace once I found it because I did find it, you know, but that required me to be unapologetically myself. But it also required me to be highly, highly accountable to myself and self-aware. And there's a lot of these coping mechanisms in here that I realized that I employed And essentially, they were preventing my growth and development because they were acting as excuses and they were not allowing me to see my own behavior for what it truly was. And only when you can be totally honest with yourself 
can you move forward as an individual? Only when you would take full accountability for your actions can you actually progress as a person. And once you've progressed, you're going to immediately be surrounded by more people who are also at that same level as you. And that's how you form the relationships that you should truly, truly have that you truly deserve. Because like attracts like, Ben um, always tells me, you know, there's power in proximity. The energy that you put out is the energy that will come back to you. I promise you that. That is one of the biggest lessons I've learned. But also the other big lesson I learned on the flip side of that is you have to let go of the negative things that are impacting your life. Just as much as you want to put in the positive and attract the positive, you also have to let go of the negative and not accept it into your life. Those are the biggest lessons I have learned this year. And when you do that, I promise you, you are going to find your peace. I hope that this episode was helpful for you guys. If you have any questions, please let us know. And if you want to hear more of my content, I will be speaking at an event um, called Stand... I think we're just calling it Stand Firm 2024. Um, It's hosted by Stand Firm. We're going to be at an event center here in Orem. I'm super excited to be talking about fitness um, in collaboration with mindset and emotional and mental health. So if you are interested, you can go to the link in our bio at Stand Firm on Instagram. We have tickets there. We're going to have so many speakers and I just can't wait for you guys to enrich your lives. It's going to be how to dominate 2024. It's literally dominate 2024 is the main title of the event. And there's so much knowledge, you guys, that you can be enriched by. And at the end of the day, I hope that you walk away from every podcast that you listen to inspired and empowered because that's what I wish I would have had. And that's all I wish for you because I want you to live your best and happiest and most fulfilled life. Thank you guys so much. And I can't wait for you to hear what we have coming. (music) 